intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Base Load is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And this is a, to be completely honest, an impromptu podcast. I brought on a guest host. Just want to get to know him a little bit, let you guys get to know him as well. It's John L. from Moving Averages, MLB Moving Averages, excuse me. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Moving Average, or AVG. So it's MLB Moving and then AVG. John, what's going on, my man? Not much. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, Mike, let me just get out in front. You're one of my favorite new follows and content contributors in the space. And, uh, you know, I, I felt my responsibility to reach out to your DM. We got along immediately, and I'm really happy to be on this now. Yeah, man, that's a little behind the scenes. And first off, the kind words, greatly appreciated. Got a lot, got a lot more in the works, as you know. We ta- we To be, again, completely honest, we spent about an hour talking almost before we pressed record. So, of course... This is uh, hopefully we could not repeat too much of the information, but we, we seems like we could talk all day. But with that being said, John, just tell these guys a little bit about what you type of work you do and where, where they could find you and all that. I already mentioned it, but like, you want to plug Man, some of your work? I, I, I am just this like omni baseball presence right now because, you know, obviously, when, where did it start? It started with a love of the game, like most of us, you know, playing the little league growing up. I love the Yankees with my dad. You know, it's really a family thing. He shed a tear when Madden Lee finally hit that playoff home run in 95. So, like, you know, it's, it's really ingrained with me. Um, you know, as I got older, I was a professional electrician. But unfortunately, you know, there's unemployment inherently baked into that. So you kind of learn other trades. That took me into trading stocks, which is something I also got into professionally, doing it for 15 years or so. And then, you know, from there, I really got into my other love, baseball, as – the ability to make money in the space grew, you know, with different types of formats. MLB has now become a year-round endeavor for me. So to give you an idea, I hate to sound so cold and callous, but, you know, I kind of really got to where I am now chasing the money. You know, it started as just fantasy baseball, but that was only covering half the year. Now it's, you know, it's best balls uh, that I've been drafting since before Thanksgiving. It's draft champions that I'm just signing up for my first ones. Now I like to wait for RP data, but you know, that's me in a nutshell. Any way that I can make money and you know show my love for the stats and analysis, you'll find me there. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of got right into it because this podcast, it's episode 60, 66. Sorry, I'm all over the place. And um, it's kind of just, we're going to talk, I just, like I said, I want to get to know you a little bit here. I heard you talk about a little how you got into it. And I kind of want to go from there and how you get into player valuations. And we can kind of talk some strategy as well along the way. And then, of course, we're going to finish up with a few guys you really like entering the season. Because at the end of the day, this is still a, I'd say, like a redraft-centered podcast. So I like like to get some of your thoughts on some players for the 2020 season. But let's expand on that. So, you like you said, this was kind of just a passion of yours from the start. But what made you decide to start creating content? Um. Man, in, in a nutshell, I, I I really felt like I found an edge. You know, and again, coming from a trading background, um, not only is there a lot of data, strategy, and analysis, plus, you know, emotional management in, you know, trading markets, but you also, 
really gain a sense of humility, you know, where you realize when you're trading markets, and when I say markets, I'm including sports markets, you know, we're not big enough to affect them. I'm not the smartest guy. I don't have the, the most money. I can't fix the games. So I have zero impact. So it sounds weird, but I, I, I like that humbling experience, you know, to see what I can do as an individual up against this, you know, this, this market, which oftentimes I'll kind of refer to as a, as a flock, you know, it's like this giant murmuration you'd see on uh, planet earth or something, Attenborough uh, narrating it, that it's, it's, it's almost like a singular living being, even though it's comprised of millions of individual living beings that are all moving at their own. They still kind of take this, shape so the game theory is so interesting to me and you know when i felt that i could apply some of these uh methods of analysis that you pick up in trading and i i started to apply them to the mlb space you know hence the moniker uh, mlb moving averages you know a moving average uh being a proven time-tested indicator for trend changes in markets you know, I wondered if I could apply them to baseball and, you know, I began to take the steps to do just that. That's awesome, man. You're taking it to a level that I have yet to go, but I love getting to know people that do things that I just don't do. Cause it honestly all does is educate me as well. Cause this is a, to me, it's, an, it's, an, it's very intriguing, but that kind of leads right into player valuations. Now I see on Twitter all the time, like pretty much one a day, I'd say at least you drop like a really in-depth, um, some stats, you know, your, 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 your own man-made graphs. Like you do your own thing there. What, how, what is your process of going through players and putting a valuation on them? Well, I think first things first is, and this goes to everybody, you know, it's catered to your own strengths, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you can't tell, I talk really fast. So, so do I. Know, <laughs> processor, the processor up top works at a high speed. Now, that doesn't make me smarter or better than anybody else. That just means that I have a processor that moves fast. So I kind of play to that strength. I feel like that also lends itself to fast drafts, which is funny because if we talk about personal preferences, I, I tend to stay away from slower drafts because I feel like it gives other people the opportunity to catch up with how fast I'm talking. You know, I want to do 55 seconds. I want to put my gas my foot on the pedal, get the gas going and try and force other people to make mistakes. Where I'm going with that is I like to get as much information. It sounds kind of intuitive, maybe even simple. Hey, sim simple, simple isn't a bad thing. People yeah, yeah, well, you know, that goes back to the trading moniker. If it's all about kiss, man. Keep it simple, stupid. The, sometimes you can worry so much about uh, the minutia. You're, you're, you're so hyper-focused on the detail that you miss the broader brush strokes of that market that's always moving, you know, and worrying about catching every little move, you end up missing the big move because within nothing moves in a linear fashion There's always, you know, ups and downs. And that's, in, you know, it's, it's all very dynamic really. So I like to get as much information as I can and compress it in the most, you know, digestible manner for myself. So that kind of starts with me picking my favorite stats. And I, my opinion, we're kind of, we were going back and forth in this before. And this goes to the listeners also, don't let anybody tell you, what's worthwhile of your time. Yes, there is math behind a lot of this stuff and that you need to address and understand to the best of your ability. But there is a subjective element to understanding fantasy baseball. And it comes, in my opinion at least, in the form of a tapestry. 
it's not definitive. It's not objective. So your understanding of the way, it's like a painting. You know, we can all agree that a painting is beautiful. Some paintings transcend and become all-time greats. There are still people that might not like that painting, and that's okay. You know, so when it comes to player evaluation, I love a ton of stats. I like to color code them. Man, I'm really, I'm, I really sounded more childish by the second, but I like to color code them <laughs> in, a, in a blink, okay, in a snapshot, in an instant. I like to be able to have my eyes take me to the thing that stands out. And the reason I say that is because one of my weak, right, and the same way you want to address your strongholds, you really want to be cognizant and aware of your blind spots. And I find I have probably with a lot of other people, name bias is a big thing for me and it stands in my way. I can see all the stats. I can statistically convince myself of an argument in a certain direction and then go the other way because of the name. So in a really kind of long, elliptical and circuitous kind of manner, that's how I start my process with a ton of information and getting it in a simplest manner as possible. It's, oh, it's intriguing. I like to hear how people do it. So overall, as far as keeping it simple, stupid, I like that. Um, do you think you find yourself, do you find yourself, as far as analysis goes, more interested in the hitting side of things or the pitching side of things? Because I see a lot of hitters broken down on your page. You, might, you know what's funny? I, man, it's funny? And I love this because, again, I'm always going to kind of cycle back to these same fundamental bases. For me, I always thought of myself as an offensive kind of analyst and you know what? The fact of the matter is, the proof is not in that pudding. In my history of Roto, and now I'm even including, you know, I played draft champions. I played a couple $500 fan tracks leagues. Man, even in TGFBI, which is obviously ranked with, like, brainiacs, I always finished first in Ks and near the top at whip. You know, so, like, there's something in my pitching analysis that's working that isn't in my hitting analysis. So, that kind of answers your question. I think why you're seeing more hitting is because I'm trying to find out, you know, maybe just what I'm missing. Like uh, the hitting is, is not translating for me on the large scale. I consider myself a very good player and uh, I tend to profit at these games, but you know, to what you're saying, I'm, I'm working on the hitters because there's something I'm missing. And that's a similar approach I took with the pitchers because the hitters, I always felt like I've done well with. And to give you an idea last year, and this isn't like this isn't like a humble brag, but take it for what it's worth. I, I had guys like Jorge Polanco, Josh Bell, and others on a lot of teams because and Catal Marte I was really big on because I saw potential in their profiles. The pitchers, I had Syndergaard, I had Bauer, I had Tyone. You see where I'm going? Like so lately, I've been very big on. That's why I did my SP ranks. But I took it. I took the chance to really dive into my analysis. I find myself more intrigued with the pitcher side of things because, again, like you said. I'm kind of similar, but in the opposite. Like, I'm starting to tweet about pitchers more because I need to work on that. So, it's like it was one of those, the more I work at it, the more the better it should get. Just like anything else, perfect practice makes perfect. That's the true quote, by the way. Yeah, I've also had, if I could just expand on the, Go for the pitching it. thing, it's, I would say my success lies more in the back end of drafts. Also, when I think back to it, you know, you, of course, just like you did, you have those names of guys that you had that you knew you wanted. And, man, last year it sounds like it was almost made up. I had all the Paddock. I had uh, I had all the Domingo Herman. I had all the Griffin Canning. I just had a bunch of uh, Zach Gallon. I had a lot of young guys that were really, really good for me, you know, that were really good. You know, also, I kind of jumped on the young ace bandwagon. So, like, I don't like to pay up, up top prices, so I knew I wasn't going to have Verlander. 
because in my opinion, I felt like I could get that from Bueller. So like last year, I had a lot of Bueller, Flaherty, Clevenger at the front end, and then like Paddock, Herman, uh, Gallon. I'm sure there's a couple more missing too, but guys like that. And you know, I ended up having a really well-rounded out staff, and it took me into the black last year. So sticking to with the uh, player valuations, what are kind of like your go-to, like what's your starting point in your overall process? On We'll start with the hitter side of things because actually pitcher side, we're on pitchers, let's stick with pitchers. When it comes to pitching analysis, what is like kind of your go-to starting point and where does it usually take you? All right, again, before I really try and do any kind of rankings or anything like that, I try and collect all my information first. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I kind of color-coded it. I'll you know, run the conditional formatting to give me like more of a broad stroke. You know, now with the introduction of StatCast, which, you know, of course is really important, but we have to be careful not to overstate its importance, try and draw from it what we find the most important, you know, so there's so much to it before I'm even getting to like ERA, you know, let's say. But of course, you know, I like, you listen, you know, I'm gonna have my run indicators in, in one section. So. Let's see that. I think that's maybe where I'd say I would start is I kind of going to mine all my data and I'm going to sort it into broader categories first, you know, uh, run, um, run indicators. Then maybe there's like a profile um, as far as like hard hit, soft hit. Let's get some stat cast data in there. And again, if you research, you know, you could try and find which ones are deemed a little more predictive, you know, the uh, miles per hour on fly balls and line drives, you know, opposed to just using averages. Although, again, anybody could argue that a a, I like averages if they're on the extremes. I would agree averages found in the middle can be wasteful because, again, if somebody – if you hit a ball uh, at 90 half the time and 70 half the time, you have an average of 80, where I'd rather have a player hitting at 80 every time. Those numbers are not great, but I'd rather have consistency – I, I, so much, you know, variance, but the point being that's got to go in a basket. So I'll have a basket of run indication, a basket for profile, and then a basket of course, man, which is very important strikeout metrics. Strikeout metrics are super important. I want all of those. I want all of them and I'll kind of <laughs> sort it out at the end. No, it's a truth. You know, we went from just K's, then it was K per nine. Then it's like K percentage. Then it's walk percentage. Then K minus walk percentage. Then if you get into some of the really great new stuff coming out, I love, Chamberlain's uh, leaderboard, give me the expected walk and K percentages. You know, I kind of want all that stuff. I sort them and then kind of grade each section of the basket depending on need at that point in the draft. But like hitters and steals, if I can equate strikeouts, which are a little bit different, I want to balance in everybody. I don't like guys that are going to drag me down anywhere because I don't like to have to make up losses. So you do I – would, I would assume you pretty much take what you just said on the pitching side of things and do it on the hitting side of things, and you get lost in this rabbit hole just like the rest of us, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I know. I guess it kind of come, it comes off that way, but that's where I think – that's where the subjective element comes in. Far be it from me to say, you know, all right, yes, you know, we could probably agree that, like, you know, ex-WOBA is better than – Woba, right? And ex Wobacon is better than Woba. But I don't want to ignore anything. I want all of them because, again, the difference between Woba and ex Woba shows us maybe an idea of expectations. So I hate to demean or discount any information. And if it just means I have to process a little bit more, then I'd, I'd rather do that. And I find 
you know, as you start to combine um, these metrics together, you, again, you have to weigh out the price in the draft. I think that makes things a little bit more clearer where, you know, all the way up top, you're going to have less of a tolerance for somebody who may be projecting lower against expectations or maybe is getting hit harder, more consistently than you want than later on where you might have to absorb, you know, a four, seven, five ERA. Yeah, I got you. So in a nutshell, do you have like, just like, prefer like what's that like are there stats that are just your favorite on the pitching side things like just uh you know if i had to really cut it down got to my head you know i really i know, I I know do, that's not your style i know that's not your style no, i'm just trying that's to fun, i'm trying to give people fun. an idea of like maybe like okay what if you have your favorites maybe it's a stat that they don't value as much so i'd like to give you, you a chance to pretty much no i listen I, I hear you i absolutely hear you you know so like if i like had you said. To, if i had to be choosing them all you know you got to give me xfip because, you know, I feel like it's the most predictive and gives the best idea of what we can expect as far as earned runs. Um, I really want all three of the WOBA stats. I like WOBA, ex-WOBA, and ex-WOBA contact. I think you can get a, a, a good picture from them. You know, I really like hard-hit data, which is funny. We could go into the hard-hit rabbit hole because uh, <laughs> this is for anybody that does follow this stuff. And a lot of people, especially novices, are not hip to this. Just because the statistics have the same name – it doesn't mean that they're describing the same thing. So I'm in particular, I'm referring to hard hit rates being kept on fan graphs opposed to the way they're kept on Statcast. Yeah, they, they're, they're, uh, they're calculated differently. Yeah, somebody at Pitcher List just tackled this. I was about to, so I'm glad the work is kind of done. But it, regardless of what makes them different, you could learn that on your own time. What's essential for players to learn during analysis is that they are different and that you need to account for both of them. And I think it lends itself to kind of what you're saying to me before is, can you pick one? Well, when it comes to hard hit, no, you really can't pick one. Mm -hmm. You really need them both because they're going to give you more of an understanding. You know, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm going through. Yeah. You got to give me barrels, barrels per batted ball event. You know, that's probably my best description of barrels, which I think is great. Um, Oh man, I want them. I want them. I want them all. You know, I want no, I, I'm just trying because, like, I was actually about to say, you kind of touched on it that because of the differences in hard hit percentages per site, first off, like you said, pick your favorite, understand both, but pick which one you prefer. But this is why I've kind of gotten away from like harping on that hard hit rate and going more towards the barrels and barrels per plate appearance, barrels per batted ball event. I find those, and those are honest, and barrels have been have been shown to indicate. Um, what's more likely to produce home runs and such as well. Oh, of so. course. Listen, of course. Um, and, but also, you know, there is a tie just to exit velocity in general, as it mm -hmm. may sound. Um, you know, exit velocity is directly correlated to uh, slugging percentage, even though there is a precipitous drop-off after 95 miles per hour, which is also just for anybody's information. That's kind of why we use 95, because the expected slugging at 95 is like, 600 plus and it goes way up into the over a thousand range when you get over 100 miles an hour to like right under 90 you're already at like a 300 slug so hmm. that's why we use those things so to the hard hit I, I wouldn't necessarily say to pick your favorite and go because that could mislead you i think unless you're going to do the legwork and understand exactly the accounting behind them you need to use them both because at the very least it might raise a red flag. If the two sites 
like, and I'm looking at them now because I actually ran a leaderboard of the differences because I was curious to try and get to the bottom of this. You know, uh, here, just somebody right off the bat that was that maybe jumps on stage here. Somebody like Kyle Schwarber. He's got 42 point. You know, they're 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 very close. You know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I grabbed the wrong person. Let me just give you one that's that's really good. Uh, Nelson Cruz. All right, 52.4 Fangraphs, 51.5 Statcast. A difference of less than one percent. You listen for me. You could average those out, meet them in the middle, and you have a guy that is killing the baseball. Yeah. But some players have these have these huge, huge differences. I mean, we are talking like an like absolutely game-changing difference. So here, let me, let me put this into context for you. Somebody like Bo Bichette, okay? Bo Bichette, very popular guy, right? He's flying off draft boards. People are looking for the world from him, which is fine. I don't necessarily disagree. My problem is that people are citing hard hit rate as a reason for the climb. But now my answer to you would be, if you're using fan graphs, He's posting a forty, a thirty-two point six percent hard hit rate, which is atrocious. I mean, thirty-two point six percent. You got to be talking about the bottom thirty percent of hitters. You know that is not. I mean, forget bad. That's like almost like a, a non-contributor. Uh, Whereas if we move to Statcast, it's forty-three and a half, which is you know pretty damn good. Uh, now the way guys are hitting the ball, I, I, it's probably not elite. I could bring it up real quick. I do have it right here. Um, Bobichet, yeah, we're probably talking he's in the top like 40. So he's probably in the top 10% or so. You know, the difference between being a 90th percentile hard hitter and a 30th percentile hard hitter, dude, that's the difference between, you know, uh, could be whatever, 60 picks if you were basing your analysis just on that one thing. So I know I kind of spent a little bit more time on that, but it really is important for people just getting into the game to understand why you need so many stats sometimes because singular ones won't tell a whole story. Well, I'm actually very intrigued and I'm hoping you publish some form of something. I can see the, like this leaderboard of like differences because what I would want to do is take what you take, like take what you find one step farther and see if the ball, like see how they perform this year, if there's a ball change because now it's like, I wonder if these people with the higher difference between the two, Hard hit rates are the oh, ones that me, fall off in home run potential or home run output in this next year. Yeah, let me let me drop one little nugget that'll that'll make it even more interesting because this is when I started, man. You know, not to get the tinfoil hat on, but I could not help but question the integrity of these things. Now, don't take that as I'm accusing anybody of wrongdoing, but if you analyze data and something really jumps off the page as something that probably should not be that deserves a deeper look then listen that's what i'm going to do no one is going to tell me not to okay so real quick we're talking about people who had a higher stat cast uh hard hit metric opposed to fan graphs okay? okay out of 451 players with a hundred uh played appearances so we're covering essentially the entire league 451 players one two three four five six of the top 18 players in that metric of difference play for the White Sox. Hmm. To me, that just seems unbelievable. You know, and not like, you know, well, man, that's unbelievable. Like in a really, like a true sense of, I don't believe that. To me, something is wrong. You know, uh, Eloy Jimenez has a 10-point difference. Uh, Yoan Moncada, 8.6% difference. 
Jose Abreu, 7.6% difference. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, the last guy on the bench here. We're talking about fantasy potatoes, yeah. assets. Correct. The elite Chicago White Sox, again, a team that people are extremely high on. I can't help but think that part of that is being based on StatCast hard hit data, which is all the rage. And in this particular case, I believe is misleading. I am, like I said, this is one of those things where I want to follow how it works out. And then, or with somebody like Abreu, you can go back and like, just take him as one example, go back over the last couple of years, see if this is a continuous trend or if this has been like a, if this is like a one-year thing and look at the home run totals, look at the production and see if there is some, uh, some merit. I feel like this is going to be something that's like really interesting to, like again, that rabbit hole just keeps going, man. And that's like, I, like, I want to take what you did and take it down that rabbit hole now. Yeah, I know. I know. Add it to the whiteboard. Like I said, there are that, that whiteboard, that whiteboard. I got two of them now, man. <laughs> right. I need a whiteboard that tells me to buy more whiteboards. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's part of the, the nature of this. And again, you know, we were, you were trying to ask me a direct question and I have a habit. Dude, it's okay. Yeah. It's, this is me. This is my style too. I mean, if you listen to me, everybody knows like tangents are my thing. Yeah. I, it's I okay. own them. Because, like and, you said, it is very productive, you know, as long as it sparks interest. Which you um, did. That's why it's, that's like, why it's that's where it's at. <laughs> and, you know, before I was, before I was providing any kind of content, I was like, you know, the ultimate consumer. And I love that as a listener. To be like, wow, man, you know, because it, it, it gives you an insight to the thinking behind the game. But also, young man, stats are great, but don't fall for the snake oil salesman that's just like, here's hard hit data, here's stack data, and this is the Bible. It's a piece of it. I've even personally been, you know, not to accuse, but I've had people say that, you know, they feel that I lean on it too much. And listen, sometimes it is important, and sometimes it's a tiebreaker, you know, right? If you have guys... Oh, definitely a tiebreaker. Yeah, if you have people on either side of the ball, um, and everything, you know, counting stats and profiles kind of looks similar, and team context is similar, and park factors are similar, and you're really getting down to the nitty-gritty, I'm okay saying, yeah, you, yeah, in that case, I use stat gas to the best of my ability to differentiate between those people. I think what people do get lost in is they, they look at StatCast like it's predictive when a lot of people need to realize, like at least in my opinion, I look at it like StatCast all does is show you if they should have been better or worse, but it takes the, it takes the stats that they, they already did. So it's a, it's, a, it's a reflection of what they've done compared to yeah, – it mean, can be predictive in a sense. It can be. It might suggest that better things are to come, but the idea is it just it takes the data that, that they provide and uh, that the player provides and – kind of this was spits out like what should expect the data but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily predictive that's what right there, well understand. there are right there are no stats for the future right all stats were only the past and we can do our best to make them reflect how we feel the performance should happen going forward you put it beautifully <laughs> you know is what smart people that's exactly what smart people are out there doing my pushback to those smart people you know when i welcome them to kind of wipe the floor intellectually with me is i feel Maybe in you know maybe this is my own path I kind of have to find that when it comes to hitting the ball hard maybe I'm just being too intuitive. To me, hitting the ball hard is a skill for a hitter, and limiting hard contact is a skill for a pitcher. So I feel like as I'm diving into the ring to kind of hash out with people much smarter than me what to make of the of the data, I think they're a little less willing to 
you know, let's say categorize that as a skill. And I, I don't think it's fully predictive. I also don't think it's fully descriptive, especially when we start getting into, you know, multiple year uh, sample sets, you know, show me a consistent hard hit rate from a pitcher. And I think I'm more likely to consider that a skill. Gotcha. So we can talk this all day and that's the problem with us. We both love talking. We love the sound of our own voices, I guess. We, ser- we serenade ourselves asleep. So uh, with that said, though, I want to get into just a couple names. We don't, I, I know I, I say just get into, which means probably another hour. But in all seriousness, I want to hear like maybe two or three names, two or three hitters, two or three pitchers. You're really in on a brief description of possible why. And that way, well, that way I get a chance to kind of at least, you know, because the two of us, man, it's dangerous. So... Let's um let's start on the let's let's go hitters this time. What are a few where who are a few guys that you just really want to see how many shares you can get of, or since you've been drafting for so long, how many do you just seem to have the yeah, most of? It's funny. I had I had mentioned this to you earlier that like I can't believe we're in like the the second week of January and I'm kind of suffering from like draft fatigue already. You know, you hit that point, and be like, ah, oh, who cares? It's all luck anyway. I don't care anymore. Um, man, a couple guys that I like. I feel that I I really 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 want to have, um. I'm going to say Joey Gallo, my first guy, because I'm seeing somebody with potential first round return who's going way too late. Personally, I I don't want to say I don't care about injuries, but I feel like people weigh injuries too often. You know, find me the person that can predict injuries and I'll have them give me lottery numbers. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So for me, as long as the player is healthy, when he steps in the box on opening day, I you know, rank and rate him at his full potential, providing he's healthy. So Galloway, no, the instant counterpunch is the strikeout rate, which of course, you know, is a concern, but I would point people to some of uh, Tango Tiger's work on Gallo and some of the, the improvements he made uh, later in the year, especially when after he came back, I think it was that, uh, that really made him stick out. Plus, you know, the production from Gallo, the profile is, Straight up elite, we're talking 98th percentile in all the important stats. So I, I love Gallo where he's going. Uh, very similar uh, is I love Nelson Cruz where he's going, um, especially in Roto. If I took care of steals already, he is going to fill out the rest of those categories in a lovely manner. They're taking care of his body because he's not playing the field at all. I know it chokes up the U, but – I don't know, man. Ortiz was returning crazy value at DH for a while while he was competing for an MVP. So if people are against the UT and against the age to the point where it's going to affect price to the point I can't say no, then I'm not going to say no. Yeah. So I, I really I, like those two. Up, uh, he's more just cool. constantly he's just constantly a, uh, a value, it seems. Yeah, he, I agree. Um, again, I, I don't really have many guys up front because it's similar to my stock trading – theories entry points don't really matter much to me i don't want to say like the guys you draft early don't matter but for me they're so similar and they're also so dependent on your draft slot you know like uh, you can have if you get the number one pick for example especially in nfbc there are a slew of players that you can just erase from your board you are not going to get them whether it be on the one two wrap or the two three wrap before it really gets before the variance and player style kicks in, those guys are not coming back to you. So I don't like to focus and say, oh, I need this guy, I need this guy. What if I get a slot that I can't get him? 
So I like to punt back, and I'm, I'm taking them from your mouth. I love where J.D. Davis is going, man. <laughs> and I know I was going to get a laugh, but me and you have been on this guy for months seemingly already. And his price is starting to reflect that. It's upsetting. I, I <laughs> him in the 240s, and I even rode him up to like 200, and then I rode him up to 195. And now we're getting to the point where I've seen him go at 160. And it's like, oh, man. So as much as I love him and I you know, want to translate that to people, there are always a price where I'm out. But Davis is definitely a big guy for me on the hitting side. Man, maybe this is why I'm not good at hitting. I don't have enough guys that I really love at the back. You well, know, J- Davis was one of those guys. And he's still kind of value. Like, at 160, I'm okay with that. But it becomes a point where it's like, you're losing that profit potential because they're, th- that that defense might – like, I'm waiting to see what the Mets do if they actually trot him out there because if he doesn't improve that defense, you know what I mean? Like, that's where the concern is with him. And that was priced – like you said, that was priced in initially. But with that growth and the hype building, it's – everybody has a – I say it all the time. I'm never out on anybody, but everybody has a price. You know what I mean? And my price, my value for that player might not match where his price is at the time. So technically that would make me out on him, but there's always a chance for a player to drop in any draft. So you don't never want to write anybody off your draft board. Right. To, to quote Ted DiBiase, right? Everyone, everyone's got a price. It's true. Um, let's see on the pitching side of the ball. I'm going to take another one of your favorites. I'm, I, I will fight you for him. And I'm talking about Aaron Savali. Me and you can go, <laughs> dude, we can go to the carpet for this guy. Because just – and, again, it's, it's mostly – you know, I love what I saw. He's incredibly hard to barrel up. In fact, I believe um, from the time he entered the league, he was number one overall uh, in, you know, hardest man to barrel. So, you know, you got to love that. Again, like I said, if I consider it a skill, then he raised to the ranks for that. He, I loved a lot of his numbers. I like the team context. You know, he's going to get a full complement of starts and at the price – I think he's beautiful. You know, it's great. Um, to talk general pitching, ah, uh, man, I'm, I, I think I'm passing up top. You know, last year, it's hard for me to jump on guys I love last year. I'm talking about, like I said, Bueller, Flaherty, Clevenger, except now I have to pay a 50, 60 pick premium. I, I'm, I'm not into that. I'd rather scoop up guys that are, are just as good as they were last year, but going a little bit cheaper. So if I had to, if there's an ace I really wanted its price, it's probably Blake Snell. Oh, dude. Okay, me and you can't draft together because you know I'm with you on Savale. I absolutely love uh, Blake Snell. He's he's I rank him like again. I know you don't. Like, we talked about this a little bit off the air that ranks are ranks, but I like, we're gonna talk like I have him as my seventh overall SP. So I'm gonna have a lot of shares of him because that's above his ADP right now. Yeah, and you listen, and I think with, with good reason. I actually. I don't know how much room there is for his price to move up because the limited innings, maybe people are worried. Plus there were just a lot of good pitchers and so many elite hitters now. So I'm hoping he kind of ends up on the outside looking in just at that price range. Um, then I find I'm back in the ring for pitching for like those really, what I find to be really strong SP two, three guys that I think can return uh, SP one value. You know, man, get, I, I find I have Luis Castillo everywhere I draft. Yeah, like, he's good. I like him too. I'm so I mean, he I'm, just kind of stands out, you know, as somebody up front that I'm making sure I have. And then listen, then I, you know, if if I can get Darvish at a good price, um, I definitely love Darvish. I know I'm with SP Streamer. I love Max Freed. I'm trying to get Freed wherever I can get him. And then you know, it's guys that uh, maybe towards the end, if I can snatch up Woodruff, although 
Now Woodruff is going <laughs> higher than I want. So I've been I've been pivoting and ending up with his teammate Adrian Hauser at his price. Who I love. I love Hauser at the price. I think there's a lot of room for return there. You can't oh. draft with us because you, you <laughs> mentioned if you, I don't know how much you follow SP Streamer stuff, but me and Mike over there, man, you've named every one of our guys right now. Well, you know, <laughs> it just might mean the analysis is it might mean the analysis is similar. It also might be an indicator of really good things to come. Or you bad. Know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not it was all it was all Mikey Florio, but he was the Blake Snell leader going into 2018. Yeah. And I was right on that with him. And you know what? Didn't scare me none, and I didn't mind collecting all that money at the end of the year. So hey, I hear you, let's man. hope it's that same situation. Uh, Listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I just don't want to no, draft I, with you. I ain't mad. <laughs> I ain't I mad at you. No, I, I hear just, you. It's just you also, draft. You also you don't draft wanna, You don't want to feel like you're being vanilla, right? Because generally, the masses don't do well. Now, granted, a bunch of you know analysts are not necessarily the masses, but. It can be a little discomforting, you know, when everybody seems to be looking at the same guy you are. Yeah, so far, um, I'm so far, I'm on that Tony Disco train by myself. All right, good. Hey, that's great, man. My guy. So I'm okay with that, though. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Speaking of that, I love the little, the little mini segue. My guy, who I'm, I'm all alone on, is I think I'm all alone on Fulton Evage. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his. The second half, I seen it. I looked into it. Just not there for me, though. I just feel like, for me, I feel like it goes back to what I was saying about injuries. And this is where we have to be careful, again, going back a step further, what we talk about to the statistics is you really got to be careful about just mashing stats when injuries are a major context contributor. So um, to half tangent, Fulton Evich and I believe, um, oh my goodness, help me out, Luis Severino fall into that category on the pitching end. And somebody like Crush Davis falls into that for the – the, the hitting end, I feel like those three players in particular, when they're healthy, are amazing. They got hurt. They didn't have the time to recoup. The statistics reflected my theory. And then when they returned, were awesome. So, like, when Fulty came back, he was the player that I was into going into 2019 and got hurt. You know, same thing with Severino. I mean, don't let the pinstripe – uh, love Fulia, uh, you know, I was scared of him, but listen, the guy gets back on the bump and starts throwing 96 and making people look silly in the box. I really don't care about the stats before then. You know, it's the picture that I wanted. Yeah, I, I get you on that, man. But on that note, I think, I mean, you hear a lot of names and I don't want to give away all your draft secrets. So unless you want to throw out a few more, we can wrap this thing up, man. All right, we just go. I'm going super, super deep just because I want Perfect. it on record. This is the super-duper sleeper pick, like the super-duper we're talking people. This is for, you know, draft champions, the 45th round. Only. That's what I like. I like those types of picks. So drop, drop one or two for yes. us, please. Give me Stephen Brault at the price. He's basically going – he's basically going undrafted. You know, there's a uh, – there's a new pitching coach in town in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a there was a, a section of his of his season. Again, you know, it's funny, people tend to look at season-long stats and they don't really tell all the story. Here, let me go. I brought it up right here. So this is between he started very slow and he finished very slow. Now, I'm not, I don't know if it was injuries, it wasn't anything listed, but 
you know, those are also pretty easy to just lop off. You know, a guy had trouble getting into it. Maybe it's something to do with the cold weather, you know. But anyway, I don't want to disclude this really large section. So he had a 13-start section between the end of May and September. Mm -hmm. um, just about 70 innings. It was a sub-3 ERA, a sub-1-3 whip, 244, 319, 353, triple slash, which is awesome. A 672 OPS allowed, awesome. 292 Woba allowed, awesome. Limited hitters to under 33% fly balls. Hard hit rate just at or below 34%. And a barrel rate at around 6 so we're talking about an ADP of like, man, I've seen him just go undrafted. Like seven-something. Yeah, exactly. You might get him in the six, seven hundreds. So for the possibility, and believe it or not, if you're looking back, now he's been around a couple of years, so it's hard to refer to prospect shine or pedigree. When I guess if it was pedigree, it would have panned out, but maybe not. Remember, he's a human. This is subjective, and I don't know what other intangible factors went into it. The point being, at draft pick 600, you might be able to do a lot worse than somebody with a pulse that has potential to give you impactful innings. You want to see, you want to know something really funny and I have proof to back it up. I have not touted him at all. He's on both. He's on my, two of my three early draft champions leagues. All right. Can I just ask before <laughs> we wrap, before we wrap, because you did all the asking, I want to hear some of you go for it, man. What, what led you to, what led you to him? Because what led me to him to be honest, was betting baseball, you know? So like when you're betting, you're in on every single starter every single day. So I had picked up on that trend when it was ongoing, but there's really nothing as far as splits or season long to like about him. What drew you to him? To be completely honest, it was not nearly as deep as what you gave. So I'm actually, you actually talked me into him a little more and I'm going to get, I'm in the middle, I'm finishing up my third DC right now and he'll be one of those final round guys again. And it was simply for the fact that I've been, you know, you know very well. I've been writing for fan tracks all offseason. I've been keeping very busy. And I went roster by roster looking at starting rotations just to fill some innings late in drafts because innings are so valuable in these formats. And wow. I saw and hold on. let me just jump in real quick because you gave a ridiculously valuable piece of advice. And I don't know, I think it really should be stressed. And this goes to anybody, particularly newbies, novice players trying to make their way into more advanced games like NFBC, this sounds dumb. Pulses are good. Draft guys with positions. People tend to try and outsmart themselves. And in the end of NFBC drafts, they're taking single A ball players that have like a 3 to 5% chance of seeing the big leagues. But if they do, it's going to be in September. I don't bother on that route. For me, that, that, that percentage chance is not worth it because there's so many injuries. Every roster slot on that draft champion's list is very important i take triple a at most yeah like yeah, will, give will, me will, a guy like, right will, will craig will craig yeah. is a perfect late round i've taken will craig a lot he's in triple a decent power bat for the pirates the pirates are always sellers there's a there's yep. a path for playing time sooner than later he's, yeah, see, he's another deep name. that you complimented that like if you're going to say listen i want major league players there always should be a caveat to the rule okay if i am going to not take a major league player I want him to be at AAA with the projection and possibility and pathway of coming up. So even though I said, like, oh, I think you need to focus on major league players, you provided a, a proactive strategy that, you know, can supersede that and allow a positive approach fishing for minor leaguers. In my, in my experience, how could you beat having an opening day, you know, not particularly opening day, but, I mean, a, a rotation spot on opening day? 
and that was my goal. And that's how I found Brault because I'm like, I was lacking in starting pitchers. I had Rich Hill on this team, which I, I guess I missed the injury news. And this was like, this is how early it was like November draft this, this league. So it was like a November, December draft. I think the injury just happened right as we started the draft. So I missed the injury news and I was looking, I was just looking for innings to make up for it. And Brault crossed my, crossed my path. I saw steamer projected him for 150. He pitched 113 last year. And that was like the reason why, not, but you gave way better analysis. Mine was strictly oh, some just. Of them, yeah, yeah. Listen, not, right, not only did you get something, there was a piece of that where he was absolutely, you know, a, a startable pitcher. He's not going to mm-hmm. front line your rotation, but we're talking about a 650th pick here. You know, mm-hmm. and to me, it's a lot more valuable to have that with his promise opposed to like we were saying, you know, a 19 year old that made some prospect lists. Like the unfortunate part is everyone's chasing the next Juan Soto. What Juan Soto did is like, it won't happen for another 10 years type of thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and eat right. It, that occurrence is not worth chasing for me, but that's what people chase. And like you said, I'd rather take the bankable things because honestly, even if it does happen, I'm okay with missing it because like, like I just said, it takes, it's so infrequent that, you like yeah you kind of touched on i don't want to reiterate everything you touched on the reasoning and it was a really good reasoning basically you want startable assets because you just injuries happen and you there's no yep. waiver there's no moves no, man, that, in these particular draft champions the draft champion format in particular or any kind of draft and hold yo that's a war of attrition mm-hmm. that is a straight up war of attrition you are lucky you are fortunate to even have a full roster in september you know, so yeah. for people that are just getting into it, don't think like, ah, I could take whatever I got. You know, I got these two really good third basemen. Well, there's a really good chance that one of them is going to get hurt, you know, and you're going to have to fill out that you. And, you know, you, you need position flexibility and stuff. So there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, there, there's, there's a whole, like, there's literally, we can make a whole other podcast on strategy, which we might do on a future date. But that's, we're going to wrap it up right here before we get into a whole other hour conversation. This is perfect. I'm glad I got a chance to finally get you on the podcast, man. I thought this was a lot of fun, a lot of inter- interesting information. And just remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff. Okay. My, my main source of content right now is on the Twitter machine. Follow me at MLB, M-O-V-I-N-G-A-V-G. Or you could really just search MLB Moving Averages. It'll pop right up. And my own little tease, right after the Super Bowl, I have the most exciting news as far as my baseball career goes, let's call it. <laughs> I am so excited, man. I cannot wait for the announcement. So please just stay tuned with me. But until then, you know, I'm going to be out there doing my thing. Get at me, push back. You know, if you said, thought I said something stupid or wrong, really get at me. I'm not nasty about it. I want to find out the truth. I'm not into self-aggrandizing. So look me up and I had a great time here, man. Yeah, pre- and I appreciate you joining me. And again, for all those listening, um, don't forget you can follow uh, uh, me on Twitter as well at Michael underscore Curlin. The podcast page is also on Twitter at Bases Loaded Pod. God, I'm always writing, doing something, so you, you know you can find me there. Ask us, like, like he said, please come at me with your questions. Glad to help out if and when possible. But other than that, man, I mean, again, I appreciate you joining me. And um, oh, there's one last thing: rating and review. If anybody's still listening at this point, because we said our goodbyes, drop <laughs> drop a five drive, drop a five star rating review. We greatly appreciate it. It really helps us with our visibility on on iTunes and all that other stuff. So that's the last thing I'm going to bother you guys with. Appreciate you all listening, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>